Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, another Sanctuary First podcast, looking at where do we encounter faith in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And we have with us today my colleague, uh, Jack Steele, who's my co-host. And especially today we want to welcome to Jonathan Tipton Myers, who is a writer, actor and performer. Storyteller. And storyteller. Absolutely. And, uh, maybe little comedian aspect. Sure, yeah. you can throw I've got enough room for that. <laughs> so we welcome you to the podcast today and we're looking forward to this particular podcast because it's going to be a little bit different because we're invited, we're going to be going on an adventure. In fact, we're going to be going on what's known as uh, the title of your show, We Are Traffic and Uber Adventure. We are traffic. That's an interesting topic to begin with. We are traffic. Do you think the human race, we are yes, traffic? That's, that's literally what the title is. Um, in driving around, uh, I met quite a lot of people, and we would be discussing in Los Angeles in particular that is very challenged for mass transit. And so as a result, when Rideshare came, <clears throat> it was very much like a rescue for a lot of people, an opportunity. And so naturally you would start talking within minutes about how, oh, this is amazing, thank God, I wish there was a train or a bus over here. And so in these discussions, I started to learn about the city and realize why it was challenged. And in my discussions about this kind of a project, um, just talking with a woman, she reached into her bag and she pulled out a selection of postcards from an artist in San Francisco, you know, who has a collection when they put them into postcards. And he's a textual artist. And she literally tore it off and handed it to me and, and said, we are traffic. And I'm like, that's it. Here's that's a question. The Here's then a question for you mm. from Eugene Peterson. Uh, in one of his books, he writes, he says, are we tourists or are we pilgrims? Ah. Do we know where we're going? Is it traffic that has a destination? Or are we like tourists going around with a camera? Heads up in the air, looking around, seeing what we can see, ready to get mugged by the first, uh, you know, person who's, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or are we people who are pilgrims, who are focused on what our lives about and going on? That's a question. Mm. Just to start off with a little one, uh, I think that we are actually pilgrims, but I think we've been told what our um, what our journey is supposed to be, and as we get older, we realize, oh that we're not really given an actual journey. And so as we so start we'd rather to be shed, tourists. Yeah, we so want just, to, but just, the truth is, like life is forcing us at a certain point to actually um, choose a journey. Yeah. And so we don't really know what that is um, because we've been kind of misdirected. Uh, but as we start to grow into ourselves, we realize, oh, not only is there an option for a journey, but that it's, it could be anything and that actually we can actually choose that. That's the biggest challenge because um, all of a sudden discomfort comes in when we realize, oh, it's not chosen for me. Like, I actually, I actually get, yeah. First, it's, it's that I have to, and then it's that, oh, oh, I actually get to. 
Yeah. And it's, it's daunting at first because we're not, you know, from the time we're children, we're not told that we have that opportunity. Make, the thing is, too, although this is an interesting thing you said, that, you know, because we, we can choose a journey. Yeah. But what used to annoy C.S. Lewis, the famous writer, mm. and before he became a Christian, was that uh, he was annoyed because he said, if God created me, I didn't have a choice. I had no choice but to live. And that bugged him to then start to think, who is this God right. who made me? Does he? Have, if, if I have no choice in the matter, <laughs> what am I doing here? So there's an element in which we we, we talk about, oh, we're people with choice. Right. And at their very essence, yeah. we've got to face up the fact we don't have choice. But I think the important thing is that you, it's, is you don't have a choice whether you live, but it's how you live that really matters. That's yeah, the important absolutely. thing. And like you're saying about the tourists coming, it reminds me of all the tourists coming to Edinburgh, said, you know, they are tourists and they're wandering around. But I suppose as we've discovered, talked to all these different shows and fringe shows, mm. some of them will encounter something really quite powerful. And maybe through some of the shows we've spoke to something really quite possibly spiritual. Very and much so. that makes it, is the trip to Edinburgh to the fringe then more of a pilgrimage mm. to come and find something wow. that's a bit fantastic. truer, yeah. to find something that sort of speaks to your heart and your so, soul. So I want to hear about your pilgrimage. <laughs> so I'm well, quite we'll interested. Yeah, yeah, sure. We're we'll just going to go right into this. I'm that's really nice. interested in your pilgrimage. At the beginning, in, in some of your, your uh, information about mm -hmm. yourself, you talk about how uh, you've gone through a crisis in your life because you lost your job and you, you lost a partner. Yes, it was uh, actually my own business. I yeah. was running so do you business. want to say a wee bit about it? Just give sure. us a wee bit about that. I, had, I mean, I had come to Los Angeles to be a writer and a performer. And at the time, um, the city and the entertainment industry was very myopic. So you had, I'm, I'm African-American, I'm Jewish, I'm a bunch of things. And at that time, it was very clear you were only going to be one or two things. So everybody was very polite, but it was, it was, I hit a wall. And I really came to um, make some money as a performer and then go and produce my own writing. Um, but I'd hit that wall, so I tried to focus on writing. And the moment I did, my part-time company was built into a corporation. And I, I focused my attention on building that. And I was probably one of the only partners interested in kind of doing it the right way. I was the good guy. Um, and the truth really was that it was an opportunity to achieve a goal very quickly, but it was a material goal. And mm. it was something that was very clear. And if you have a life as an artist, it isn't always that direct or that clear. So I'm sure that I, I sublimated myself and it was easy to run away than confronting the work that it would take because I would be the judge of my own success. And so I built this business and before I knew it, it was larger than I'd wanted. And I had a house to justify tax-wise for that. And I was <clears throat> creating my own identity based on these things that are supposedly the things that define us as successful. And very quickly realized that um, I didn't feel successful in these things just because I had them. And uh, so fortunately, God, source, the universe, helped me out by, by, of course, in the way that he does, by bringing me crisis so that I will grow from learning. And he, he helped blow up that business and the relationship that had reached its point and all kind of at once and gave me the opportunity to go on a quest and find myself, mm. you know. Do you know, this is so wonderful. Changes your path. This, this, is, yeah. this is leading us in. You know, the well, theme that we've got for Sanctuary First this month, we have a different theme every month, is the simple life. Huh. 
and what does it mean to live in the simple life? Right. And of course, that's now what you're going to start engaging with because you're, you've, you've, you've lost your business, you've yeah. lost a partner, and you're, you're yeah. deciding, what am I going to do? So you're almost like peeling things back into a It wasn't almost, life. it was literally peeling things back. I needed to pay a mortgage, and, um, and I had started writing again at the end of my relationship. Mm. So I wanted to continue. That was feeling really good. And I, I had um, researched a project that takes place in downtown Los Angeles about street art, which is tremendous in Los Angeles. But because everything's so segregated, um, these are world-renowned artists that basic Los uh, Angelinos don't know. Right. So, but if you went to Spain, they would know them. And so it's fascinating to me. And I thought, I'll drive around downtown. I'll meet all of them and get ingrained in this. But it doesn't work that way. You end up driving around the whole city and a much larger story enveloped. I started to answer questions that I couldn't answer for two decades of living there. Like why in this wonderful place, I never felt at home. And the answers started to come through the windshield, literally from connecting, physically connecting the dots of this gigantic city and speaking with people who also felt the same um, isolation and, uh, and um, loneliness. And uh, everything that's wonderful about Los Angeles, and there are myriads of things, um, but literally every single one of them, its success is predicated upon the, uh, the degree of difficulty of getting from one destination to another. Yeah. Literally, figuratively, emotionally. And when they make that challenging, then you just end up exhausted and you end up staying in the one place, your, mm. your area. Yeah. Um, and little did everybody know that it was designed to be that way. And is this mm. what led you into then um, becoming an Uber driver? And yes, that's literally, I was going to A, had to pay my mortgage, and B, wanted to write this story. And once I started doing it, two things happened. Um, well, maybe three. I found that um, I was able to make money right away. Two, I, I learned about this place that I'd lived for 20 years and didn't know about, mm. how it all connected. And three, I regained connection with people. Uh, because literally over time, the distance between all of us creates an atrophy, our social yeah, yeah, yeah. skills atrophy, and, and we end up staying in this one place, and we desperately want to connect. It's funny, I come from New York, but the desire to connect in Los Angeles when I got there was, was gigantic. You know, it's just, we're out of practice. Yeah. So you want to come out, but, it, but we don't have enough practice, so it comes out like blah, 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 in a strange way, because we just don't have enough direct connection. So did you find the experience being an Uber driver, by the, by the sounds of it, you're, you're describing almost as this ex really connecting experience to people and meeting people and getting something. It's, I mean, it's literally what it was. It's part of the design mm. of Uber and the other company, Lyft, at that time in San Francisco. Many of these companies are created in San Francisco from holistic, spiritual um, beginnings. Really? And like Craigslist was created by Craig Newmark, who saw the deterioration of a community, so he created a message board where you could do anything under one condition. You had to meet a human being. Mm. And the same for rideshare. Um, we, the drivers in the beginning were revered. Yeah. They, um, I mean, it really was, and it was incredible. And the people who were doing it were incredible. I mean, they made money, but um, the unique phenomenon of rideshare. Of course, it didn't end up that way. Well, it's, you know, it's, again, it's a segregation in the United States is a method of um, consolidating power and wealth. 
And it turns out it's foundational for us hmm. uh, as a society. Um, you know, it just happens to be antithetical to the documents we drew up. Yeah. But hey, you know, just a little discrepancy. It's in there from the beginning. Yeah. But the truth is that it's a unique experience to be in an Uber or a Lyft or a Bold. It's, as I say in the show, the minute you get into my car, I now care about your safety as much as anybody in my family. Yeah. By definition, you just happen to be someone in my car. And that, that, um, that situation breeds a certain dynamic and intimacy mm-hmm. that just doesn't exist in a taxi. And initially, people were doing it to connect. I mean, you're getting because, it's, people, because it's your personal car as opposed yeah, to a cab yeah. that the company owns. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's literally like anybody getting in your car, you care about them. Yeah. Because one of yeah. my favorite films is Taxi Driver. Ah. Obviously, they take a completely different. <laughs> yes. style. Obviously, that yes. ends rather violently. Yes. But the pinpoint of the cold, hinge pin of the whole character is mm. that he feels almost the complete opposite of what you're describing right. as, as the way right. you're driving people right. around. He feels disconnected and that from is, people. And that's and what the, drives him over the edge. And that is the difference in a taxi yeah. cab. I mean, that's what was such a phenomenon for people. That's why it exploded. Yeah. Because it wasn't just that people needed to get somewhere. It was that they needed to get somewhere with someone who was engaging with them and they felt that connection. And they could trust. It's one of the, well, you know what's so interesting about that? Because, of course, it's a, it's a tenet of business that fear sells. So the best way to sell things is to create fear and animosity. At least in America, animosity is very effective. So in the beginning, right, with Lyft, which was the company, they had giant pink mustaches on the cars. It's the only way you would identify this car, a big pink fluffy mustache. And I would see them and be like, what is that? What is that car? But consider this, that in Los Angeles, you would be, say, drunk, you can't, so drunk you can't remember your name, been partying all night, it's three or four in the morning. You're up in the hills, the Hollywood Hills, where it's completely dark. And you don't know where you are or what your name is. And in the beginning, the safest option for you was to call a stranger to come and pick you up in their own car. Mm. What does that say about us? Yeah. <laughs> is that immediately there's trust. Same yeah. way in Craigslist when it came out. It was brilliant. It was almost like this secret that was wonderful. So there is goodwill initially when things begin. But, you know, we believe that it's profitable to break that up. So um, in Uber's case, they just had, all they had to do was cut the price. Yeah. And all of a sudden, our respect for each other changed. But initially, it was a love fest. And this show tracks the course of the relationship, um, parallels my own relationship in the beginning, and how it changed over time uh, based on us proactively working to make it grow. Yeah. How much we are willing to be continually work on ourselves and be vulnerable and be reaching out. And it just so happens that it mirrors the cultural relationship with yeah. Uber and Lyft and rideshare in general. And why it was important enough for me to even write about it. I'm wondering how the, how the evolution process of the show coming into being started. Mm. So obviously you're going in this journey yourself and it's <laughs> happening in real time. But what was the tipping point where you're like, no, this actually, I need to share this journey and, 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 and more than that, bring it to the Fringe Festival in Scotland <laughs> across the pond. Well, let's see. It was a complete accident. Literally, um, I was writing a TV pilot because I envisioned it very quickly, seeing this dynamic, I was like, this is a television series. Mm. It's very easy. I just didn't know the structure of it. And so I started a blog to basically keep track of the people that I was meeting because you get very close very quickly, the people you want to spend time with. It's one of the conundrums of rideshare is that, and, and of course, 
the, um, the propaganda will be that drivers are the ones that talk so much or whatever, but passengers are the ones that are constantly talking. It's and almost like a slightly uh, cheaper version of a sort of very short burst of therapy. For <laughs> well, you know, that's actually, that happens in taxis. It happens in taxi driver. Everybody's yeah. confessing to him as well. But there is a different one when you realize that it's kind of a contemporary yeah. of yourself. Um, I mean, the people who are driving in the beginning, they were exceptional human beings, and they were in need of connection too. And um, it's, uh, so literally I was, I was writing um, stories about each person down, started a blog to keep track of everybody. And then um, literally five minutes after I started this blog, it's only like five entries, somebody asked me to read aloud from it with, at a salon with a bunch of other fiction authors. Um, so I went to do that and I, they're incredibly interesting people uh, fiction authors are very idiosyncratic, spend all their time by themselves, and very precious about this time in the past. Mm. And I got up and was reading about something that had just happened. And it was, it was very interesting because the audience responded in a, in a different way than I expected. Um, half of the people in the room had just had this experience. And the other half were about to have it when they leave. So it occurred to me, that, oh, this is a phenomenon that's happening in real time, uh -huh. which is really interesting to me. But, and as soon as I stepped down, a friend of mine named Matthew Ritchie, who's a brilliant director, he just looked at me and he said, okay, so you're gonna do that. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're gonna do that as a show, as just you in a chair, you're just gonna tell stories. I'm like, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, he goes, yes, and that's how it started, really. Right. And, and, and originally, it was focused around my um, breakup and regaining my faith in myself as a writer, yeah. as a person coming to Los Angeles. Uh -huh. um, and then as I drove around and started to see that all of the conflict in the city is predicated on separation. Mm. And then learning that it was really premeditated segregation, it's just accidental that it engulfed everybody else. Yeah. Um, it became a larger story to me. Um, we, we literally separated everybody by color about 80 years ago. Yeah. And then in Los Angeles, we put people into cars. So that meant taking the mass transit away from the west side. The red cars and the yellow cars, the trolleys, the things that um, you see if you were looking at Cary Grant, you're like, what's that thing moving behind him? And you're like, oh, that's a train. And they were all over. Yeah. And, uh, and then accidentally, by putting everybody into cars, we separated everybody from each other. Mm. Mm. And that breeds this feeling of, of Los Angeles that everybody just accepts as Separateness. history. Yeah. Yeah. It was just yeah. always like this, yeah. but it wasn't. The well, it wasn't. trams and public transport system was a bit of a contagious thing in Edinburgh, and I'm sure you've noticed mm. some of the chaos around the city with oh, the Oh yeah, the, you know, I'm excited. So the I mean, it's very interesting. Because well, they had it before, yeah. and they took it out, much the same as you guys did, uh -huh. and now they're putting it back in again. And there's, I mean, you could probably take it 50-50 down the middle, the people that think it's a good idea and the people that think it's the worst sure. idea in the world. Right. But I will not, decide which one we think it is but well i mean i have to say that just i'm i'm flabbergasted just being in a car like here i mean it's a double it's like you know you guys are on the right side of the car mm. and on the left side of the road so my friend was like oh you'll learn it'll be easy he was going to rent a car and i'm like i'm just not take one turn i'm going to drive right into a building or a castle like it's just it's going to happen i it's impossible so i'm constantly sitting there like this with my eyes wide i'm like oh you're turning here oh my god you know and some of the streets feel like it's like well it's this way unless there's an opening yeah you know <laughs> and so i'm i'm fascinated watching and i feel when you're a driver 
you have a visceral relationship to the city. Mm -hmm. So you feel it underground. It's like it's kind of like you're connected to it. Yeah. And you and you the cars have personality. So you know what they're gonna do. And the personality of the person driving, if they're skittish, if they're mm -hmm. overconfident, if they're distracted, if they're um, sad, if they're yearning in a certain mm -hmm. way. And uh, so I've been just kind of trying to see what that energy is like, but I know these guys are very aware. Because as a it. driver, you're doing all of that while still engaging with the person that's in your back seat. Yeah, and even if you're not talking, you're and primarily you're engaging with electronics. Mm. And in electronics then- Incoming calls, incoming yes. lifts. Well, I mean, the navigation of, uh, of the application. And quite often, the application is changing on you because they kind of run the business like a video game. So they offer you incentives, but they're, they're teasing incentives often. Mm. They make them difficult enough that you just miss them. So you're constantly being like led to this area where once you arrive, it, the bonus has disappeared. Right. So you have to play it like a game, and which is fine unless you're driving 40 you're trying to watch traffic and care for a person. Mm -hmm. So it, it creates a different dynamic. Um, but there, it, nothing is better than to be able to feel the city you're in. You know, you're talking about this background of this going on in, in the midst of the city in, in the world, I suppose, mm -hmm. is this disconnect. It's, it's, literally, yeah. it's literally the same it's thing. It's disconnect. And um, this is where, where can we find a, a connection and for me, it is the Jewish teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh -huh. And he talked about, he said he had come to reconcile the world to God. And that's the one thing we need to be is reconciled. How can we be reconciled to ourselves, to our neighbours and to God? And uh, at the heart of that is this whole area of forgiveness. And um, we've been talking, we had the Soweto uh, choir in here. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and we were uh, interviewing them. And they were talking about Mandela. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the, the things that Mandela passed on to the nation of, Africa, of South Africa was the importance of reconciliation and the importance of forgiveness. Absolutely. That's the challenge in the midst of all this journey you're on. Mm -hmm. You know, where are you going to find the message of forgiveness and reconciliation? And how do we share that with the world around us and the people around us? Mm. That's part of what I'm about. You know, sure. That's my, you know, if I'm a taxi driver, you come in to, in, in, in this journey, in the traffic, you've hailed down an Uber taxi driven by Albert. <laughs> so where is Albert going to take you? You see, and, and part of my encouragement is to start thinking about one of the areas we need is forgiveness. and We need reconciliation. Who do we need to be reconciled to? Who in our families and our friends do we need to be Who do we need to forgive? How can we get, how can we even get Link the energy mm. to do it because as you and I know it's that's a pilgrimage too but it's 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 easier to be the tourist and just say I'll deal with that tomorrow right isn't it yeah or or I'm I'm I just need to know the bare minimum and wherever I am they'll take care of it it'll yeah. all be taken care of if I spend enough money it'll all be taken care of when the truth is that it doesn't matter 
it's we're always going to be the driver. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be a tourist is a somewhat passive experience. Um, but life, of course, isn't passive. It can be, mm-hmm. and I mean, it shouldn't be. No. And it's really you've got to you've got to engage with it and and go on the go on the journey. I, I yeah, I don't think it's passive at all. And I think that tourism is an interesting metaphor to use in this circumstance because the truth is that you know it it doesn't work either. Mm. Like it only works for a certain period of time until you hit a wall. And um, I'm I'm a fan of a woman named Barbara Marks Hubbard who was a scientist. Uh, an evolutionist, a physicist, I guess they call her futurist, she spoke about evolution as being cyclical mm-hmm. instead of linear. Yes, so, much like the Hindu beliefs in terms yes, of the cyclical life. Right. And, cyclical. and yet every time we reach the precipice of the next level of evolution, we avoid it. So in other words, we don't evolve until the pressure of avoidance builds up so much that that forces us to evolve. Yeah. So, And that aligns itself with a lot of other beliefs I have that that the gifts from God or the universe are towers. They're challenges that where we have to make different choices that allow us to grow. Those are the gifts. Yeah. So the truth is that I don't believe we've ever made an evolutionary choice as a species when we had to. It was always at the very last minute. So there is a moment when you have to stop being a tourist, and that's if you stay a certain time, and you have to actually make choices and, yeah. for yourself. And I think that parallels the, uh, any journey. And yeah. if you talk about words for me as a writer what i'm noticing in the world is that there's a lot of the the digital world and technology has decentralized everything um and mostly structure because it's happy to not be regulated so what that means in a business sense also has the same definition in an intellectual and emotional sense so i feel language is also being decentralized and um deconstructed mm-hmm. so when i'm faced with or offered to think about words like faith and um, forgiveness, I'm really thinking, well, well, which definition of those are we really talking about? Mm. Because the answer to me is always me. They're always like, oh, well, I'm the one that has to, I have to forgive myself. I have to have faith in myself. And primarily when I read a few books by folks I I follow quite um, enthusiastically that finally connected the dots for me for spirituality and all of the different religions and realize that perhaps the definition of God is us, then, oh, I was like, oh, all the stories make sense. Okay. Oh, so there's the second coming of, um, of, uh, of consciousness mm-hmm. and a belief. And, oh, I do surrender to the beauty and immense power of, of us, of our collective uh, unconscious. Yeah. And saying that I am, I am holy in service to that, to the beauty and power of ourselves. So therefore, um, if I if I love myself mm. for existing, not for anything I do or have, then I have then I have and I build that faith in myself. Then I can actually offer that to other people. Yeah, yeah. of you course. You can't pour from an empty cup. That's the, for sure. The, the yeah. big, the big, but we change that the definition. Big, yeah. the big, basically, to sell the, a lot of things. Because yeah. you know? the big definition, of course. Where does the cross there for the the Judaistic Christian view on that would would mm-hmm. would be different from what you're saying, you know? Because what that would say is that um, we are not we are not our we are made we are creatures. There is a Creator God mm-hmm. who is who who is who has made us in His image. Oh, I definitely agree with you. You know, know, so therefore, 
the danger of the, the Adam and Eve story in the scriptures is, is all about how mankind makes himself into a god. He says, I, you know, I, I am who I am, you know, and I worship myself. Yes, yes. You know, and that's the danger of, that, of the philosophy today is that we have placed ourselves at the centre of the universe and said, we are the most important. Whereas we are, I suppose, if we're pilgrims on a journey, we're going, see, I believe maybe there is something more beyond this experience. Yes. You know, and this journey is taking us into eternity. I and think if you have a, um, th that photograph that came out a couple of months ago of the actual amount of galaxies, yeah. mm -hmm pretty clearly in like half a second just goes really small speck yeah. of sand you know and it just illuminates that so i mean what your point is 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 right on because um we have turned the belief in that god is us into the literal sense of us like this body mm -hmm. when i really mean the the power of the universe of energy whether yeah. it's einstein saying it's yeah. the energy of the universe or it's embodied in mm -hmm. the name of God, it's still that force is obviously beyond us yeah. and created well, yeah. the literal us. So, but in conversation, if we haven't taken a journey and we're afraid, then we just go. We say us means me. Yeah. Means means me. I can just all my decisions are great. Like you know. But it the, depends how you how you interpret it. That's what I mean. Because you know the the spirit of God is in us, and we can act as a community and together through the spirit of God, and to be there for each other, and to you know be guided by that. I think and that's in the Bible, us. is it not? But yeah. it's, there's a, there's a line between that and actually literally seeing yourself as the divine. Well, that's you know? that's Adam and Eve. That's the, the journey. So it's it's actually saying that we're that I'm on a journey to love myself yeah. is actually a journey of humility and not one of hubris. Absolutely, Absolutely. It's actually, you know. And uh, but we love we, yourselves we, despite your flaws and your weaknesses, and because God does. And we welcome them as an opportunity to understand what a flaw actually is. Yeah. Do you know, know, we have journeyed quite well, but we've come <laughs> to the end of our podcast. <laughs> and it's been a very interesting time together to share and uh, look forward to maybe after we might be able to have a chance to talk a bit more. I but would love certainly, that. certainly, I think you have been a wonderful guest for us today. Oh, Jonathan. well, thank you very thank much. You. And, and just to give you a very quick idea, it's, yes. the show is literally a one-hour ride through the first three years of rideshare in Los Angeles and how that relationship evolved over time mm -hmm. as any other relationship. So it's quite a lot, a lot of fun. And like anything, uh, there is the same journey of introspection that we're all actually going on. What's amazing is that I found out that we're all going on in 20-minute in intervals. Yeah. We think we're just going to the grocery store, but we're not. We're actually going on that journey numerous times throughout the day yeah. Yeah. and always. And you mentioned it earlier about uh, the, but, and the we professional. That the, these moving confessional booths sort of traveling around well, the city. Well, I mean, the truth is, what I discovered ultimately about this, pardon me, is that, um, is that our society tends to separate us for its own gain and that the only way to find a solution is actually proximity. Mm. So literally throwing us into cars causes us, gives us a chance to reflect upon ourselves. Definitely. So going to church is that same opportunity for lots of people who might not even know yeah. much of what's in the Bible. Yeah. It's the opportunity every Sunday to actually go be in the presence of each other that allows you the opportunity to reflect upon yourself, see yourself in others, and actually that's the journey you're going on. So ironically enough, by accident, this thing 
um, is actually uh, giving us an opportunity to take a real journey. Yeah. And just remind us where we can find your show and at what time. It's at the assembly rooms in the drawing room at 5.15 every day from 5.15 to 6.15. And it's We Are Traffic, an Uber adventure. And I, I chose that not only for the literal name, but because it is a bigger adventure. Yeah. Well, there you go. Check the show out, and you've got a few more, few more days of the we French six festival more still, shows still to go. So yeah, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys too. Good. Well, Thanks thank you in. so much for being with us today. Thank you. And can I thank all of you, our listeners, for being part of our time together? I think, like you, we have both really enjoyed being part of all this, and I would like to thank you for being part of our podcast today. And as we've always been doing, finishing up the podcast with back to you, the viewer, and connecting with you to say you are important to us. Thank you for being part of it. And we would like to extend to you the blessing that we give mm. every day. And the blessing is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you his peace today and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.